True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Monday to everybody listening and watching out there. Unless, of course, you have Garrett Cole on your fantasy team. Time to answer some questions. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, June 28th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Lots to go over from the weekend. Most added and most dropped players. I have a worryometer, a potential sell-high starting pitcher, and much more. How was the weekend, guys? Chris, Chris getting tatted. Chris is getting tatted up. I got my third tattoo in eight months. I didn't have any for the first roughly 32 and a half years of my life. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm making up for lost time, I guess you could say. What's the experience I, like, Chris? Because I've thought about it. God, God, you can't really see it. It's, a, it's an awkward place to try to hold up. But a uh, little, little blinky from Pac-Man, little cherry from Pac-Man. It's a reference to a Wilco song. The experience, you sit in a chair and you get poked with a needle like <laughs> 3,000 times while you're kind of being poisoned, I think would be like, I think you could accurately describe it because like once you have a tattoo, what you'll notice is um, like I took the bandage off this morning and there is a perfect imprint of the tattoo on the bandage because your body is trying to reject the ink that has been put into your into your skin so you know it's not as bad as that sounds <laughs> it's <laughs> actually kind of fun in, in a very unfavorable light <laughs> it, it's actually pretty fun uh this one hurt i will say the first two not so bad on the bicep that was fine this one on the inner arm whew, that's it's a much more sensitive part of your skin yeah gotta say I- I, I, I will say this offseason, I think I came to the realization um, that if you even if you include Adam for as, as rarely as he's on the show, like our, our group of four, including Adam, none of us had tattoos. And like I what what it. a what a strange thing that was in, in the year 2021 that you could get these four random 2030 somethings together. So what you're saying none is none of them have, have tattoos. And what you're, you're saying is I have to get another one. 
so that we all have one on average. It's on yes. average. So that yeah. means that means one for each of us. Scott and myself get to choose your next tattoo. We can collaborate on it. I think it should be all of our faces. I, I think it probably should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A Mount Rushmore with me, Scott, Adam Azer, and I don't know. You could choose the fourth person, whoever you want. Whoever me. You, yeah. And I have you. to get my own face. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, Scott, I'm assuming you didn't get any tattoos this weekend. Fun fact. I my, did not. My dad has like over 30 tattoos and I don't have any yet. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's when I came to the realization because I think you brought it up and I had seen your dad before. So I just kind of assumed like father, like son. Frank's, Frank must have some tattoos under those t-shirts he wears, but apparently not. Not yet. Not yet. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit of baseball. How about we do that? Oh, my goodness. Good. Gracious. All right. Oh my goodness gracious. Scott, where would you like to start from the weekend? I would like to start with Tarek Skubal. Tarek Skubal, our friend Mr. Skubal, who uh I think had his his breakthrough start. If he hadn't had it already, I think he had it this weekend, specifically Sunday, against the Astro against the Astros of all teams. They they're batting like five hundred in June. I'm exaggerating. Only Michael Brantley is, but the rest of them are pretty hot too. And Tarek Skubal allowed one hit in seven innings to them. But not only that, he struck out nine. But not only that, he had 21 swinging strikes. But not only that, this is the breakdown of his 21 swinging strikes. You ready? Six on the four-seamer, six on the slider, four on the two-seamer, three on the changeup, two on the curveball. The knock on this guy coming into the season was that he didn't have a diverse enough arsenal. I think he does now. I think he does. This seems like a big step for him. And uh, we've been hyping him a lot lately. It's been a little more up and down uh, over the past couple weeks. But I think, uh, I think he's about to, about to surge here. Tarek Skubal, watch out. Yeah, this truly was a breakout performance, Scott. The 21 swinging strikes on 102 pitches by itself against the Houston Astros. This is a team that has an 8.3% swinging strike rate on the season, which is by far the best in baseball. So not on, only are they just an amazing offense that puts the ball in play, they hit for power, they do everything. They do not strike out a lot. And Tarek Skubal, to do what he did over seven innings, nine strikeouts, it truly was an amazing performance uh, against that offense. However, he still gave up 10 hard-hit balls, but I think this is kind of just who he is at this point, right? Like, you're going to get a lot of whiffs, you're going to get strikeouts, he's going to give up a lot of hard contact. Yeah, We've seen that with a lot of, I guess, swing and miss strikeout specialist starting pitchers in the past. Does that actually worry you, Chris? Uh, yeah, I think you have to be a little bit worried, and it, you know, it's reflected in his ERA. He's, you know, he's a 433 ERA, which is actually slightly better than his 532. XERA and you know the the issue is just his fastball gets hit really really hard. It's actually not been a problem with any of his other pitches. Uh, his xwoba on his slider, curveball, and changeup are all two thirty four or below. That's excellent. He's got pretty good whiff rates on all of them. The curveball lagging a little bit, but the issue is just his fastball gets crushed. Uh, he's got a 416 Woba and a 438 X Woba allowed with the fastball. He's actually been a little bit lucky to have a 416 uh, Woba. And that would be, just for reference, that would be one of the better marks in baseball for a hitter. So, you know, it, he that's a pitch he throws 50% of the time, roughly. And 
when that's the case, there's always going to be, I think, some ups and downs. But, but hopefully he's developing enough of a secondary arsenal that he doesn't have to rely on the fastball yeah. so much, which should make the fastball more effective in theory. Yes, you would think so. It, it is a low spin fastball. So, you know, that's that's something to keep in mind. Spin rate, as I'm sure you all know by now, uh, <laughs> if you're baseball fans at this point, spin rate is very important for fastballs. And the higher your spin rate is, generally speaking, the more whiffs you get with your fastball. Um, he actually does get a decent amount of whiffs with the fastball, despite being a, a low uh, spin rate pitch. But it's kind of Andrew Heaney-esque, where it, it seems to be... Like he's getting the whiffs, but it comes at the cost of getting hit really hard when it does get contact. I hope that's not like a long term comp for him, but it makes sense in my mind now that you bring it up, Andrew Heaney. I just I hope he's, he's better. He's got a than deeper he's yeah. got a deeper arsenal. Yeah, he definitely you know? does. Heaney's I, definitely just like a fastball slider changeup guy. Chris, you're oh my goodness gracious from the weekend. <laughs> there were a couple of big name pitchers who um have been struggling this season who had really good starts. I think Aaron Nola. Might have actually been the most impressive of them, tying the major league record for strikeouts in a row with 10. But I'm going to go with Luis Castillo, who had another, you know, it wasn't a dominant start. It was a pretty good start. It was, uh, I believe, six shutout innings with six strikeouts. Seven shutouts. Yeah, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball during the month of June. It's been quite a turnaround for a guy who had, I believe, an eight ERA coming into June, but he hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in any start. Since the start of June, he's allowed six earned runs in 31 and two-thirds innings, 32 strikeouts. Luis Castillo looks like Luis Castillo again. You know, that maybe the, the, the walks, 12 and 31 and two-thirds innings, maybe it's a little high, but, you know, that's always been kind of an issue for him. He looks like himself for the most part. You know, the one strikeout per inning, not necessarily what you're looking for, but you know, 25.6% strikeout rate. That's pretty much right in the range you're looking for from Luis Castillo. So my concerns aren't completely gone, but I definitely feel, um, you know, pretty vindicated about, you know, having had some faith in him still, despite the struggles. I would like to see one more really big strikeout game for him though. Yeah. He hasn't had a double digit strikeout game since that May 18th start against the Giants. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. I mean, his last five starts have still been very good. 1.71 ERA, 0.98 whip, 32 strikeouts over 31 and a third innings pitch. So it's good. It's just over a strikeout per inning, but that's usually not what we're used to from Luis Castillo. It's usually some huge, like, 12, 11K per nine kind of number for Luis Castillo. And this year, he's right around a strikeout per inning. During that stretch, he still has a 58% ground ball rate, 13.9% swinging strike rate. So... He's nearly back. I, I feel comfortable saying that for Luis Castillo. Scott, anything that you would like to add on him? He's facing the Padres at home this week. That's actually not a bad matchup, even though the Padres are good overall. Um, yeah, I feel much more confident starting Luis Castillo these days. I, of course, wish the, wish the strikeouts were higher in June as well as everything else has gone for him. But given that the swinging strike rate is so high, I think it's just a matter of time. All right, Luis Castillo, hope you bought low when you could. Should you buy low on Garrett Cole? I don't know. Well, he was at the Red Sox on Sunday. Five innings, eight hits, six runs. Five of those were earned. He gave up three home runs, on one of them on the first pitch of the game, against Kike Hernandez. 
Uh, he still had 15 swinging strikes on 89 pitches, so I guess that's the positive. He gave up seven hard-hit balls. The spin rates actually weren't down, which I thought was yeah, probably the most interesting part of this is like, okay, we've seen yeah. other starting pitchers, and I have some names here that I'll go through from the weekend that were you know down 100, 200 RPM again on their pitches. That wasn't the case for Garrett Cole here, yet he was still really bad against the Boston Red Sox. Mind you, one of the best lineups in baseball. His last eight starts now for Cole. He has a 4.04 ERA during that span. 51 strikeouts over 49 innings pitched. I don't know. I, I, I assume a lot of the damage was coming from this start with that ERA. Um, but but yeah, that that was that was interesting with the spin rates because of course we've seen them dropping since early June and last start they just to- totally collapsed. So to see them back uh, like the RPM on his fastball from a Stevenson average was only down 76 on average. And obviously his average RPM has been dropping s- since the start of June, but it hasn't it hasn't dropped enough. It like it's going to take a while to pull the the season long average down to a point where it, it no longer makes sense to compare the 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 start to the season average. Um but like, how did that happen? They they checked him after the first inning. They inspected him, and I, I saw a lot of reactions on Twitter. Like, I think it's safe to say he's not using anything, but maybe they noticed that the spin rates were not down as much as they had been the rest of the month, and it raised suspicions. I I wonder if he was compensating in some way for not having that spin, and I don't mean I don't mean by using a substance necessarily, but I, I, maybe he was overthrowing or something. I'm not even sure how you could fabricate a higher spin rate, but I, I wonder just because it, it was notably much higher and he struggled if he was compensating in some way that, that affected his command. The velocity well, that, was up for his pitches a little bit. So there's a chance that he was overthrowing the slider up one and a half miles per hour, the fastball up almost an entire mile per hour. So I know we, we mentioned that last week, Chris with Trevor Bauer, where his spin rates were down, but he, kind of compensated by throwing harder. Maybe that's what Garrett Cole was trying to do here, but it didn't work. Yeah, I think Cole and Bauer are actually, you know, in, in a lot of ways, they're not that similar. And I think if if either of them heard you saying that they were similar pitchers, they, they might try to fight you given their <laughs> rivalry. But in certain ways, I think they're very similar pitchers because I think they're good command, mediocre con- good control, mediocre command pitchers, if that makes sense. You know, that that dichotomy between control, which is throwing in the strike zone, command, which is throwing it in the strike zone where you want to, where hitters can't do damage with it. And I think you saw a really good example of that dichotomy on the bomb that he gave up to Rafael Devers in this start, which, hey, man, if you're aiming for the middle of the strike zone, that was a great pitch, but you shouldn't be aiming for the middle of the strike zone. He threw... You know, a 99 mile an hour pitch just right over the heart of the plate. And Rafael Devers, one of the best hitters in baseball, crushed it. You can't make those mistakes. And I think the biggest thing for both Bauer and Cole is, you know, if they do have to compensate for their pitches being less effective, which is essentially what we're talking about with the with the spin rate, is that, you know, the fastball that goes right down the middle when you're throwing at 98 miles an hour with a 2600 RPM spin rate, you know, that might get under the bar- or might get over the barrel. The hitter might swing under it. Whereas the the lower the spin rate, it doesn't rise as much. That's on the barrel. 
what we might be seeing is that it, 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 whether they have to try to throw harder or whether they just throw the same, but they're the same kind of you know good control middling command pitchers, is that the margin for error is slimmer. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that they may be more prone to giving up home runs. And these are two pitchers who give up a lot of fly balls already and, and relatively speaking, give up a decent amount of home runs for how good they are. It's just in Bauer's case, he's improved his control so much. His his walk rate has plummeted over the last couple of seasons. And in Cole's case, he's just been so hard to make contact with in general. But that hasn't been the case in either case over the last, you know, since the start of June. It's been a lot of Garrett Cole's strikeout rates lower. Trevor Bauer's walk rate is up. And that's just going to make it a little bit harder for them to be, you know, dominant pitchers. I don't think it's, I actually wrote about this. It'll be on cbssports.com slash fantasy uh, on Monday morning. I don't think Bauer is a suddenly a bad pitcher. I think he's just more like a top 12 pitcher than a top five pitcher. Like we talked about on Friday. And I think Cole is more like a part of the pack now rather than pushing Jacob DeGrom for the best pitcher in baseball, which I think is where he's been since the preseason for me. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's well said. I mean, there's not really anything else actionable with Garrett Cole. I mean, it's not the time to shop him, obviously, because he's coming off one of his worst starts of the season. The ERA over four over his last eight starts, three of those starts he has allowed five earned runs. So... You know, it's a lot of it did come in this start, Scott, but it's, you know, it's been three starts now where he's allowed five earned runs. It's like, we're just not used to seeing this from Garrett Cole. So, uh, yeah, I think he's probably just one of that group now from two to 12 because Jacob DeGrom, once again, stands alone. Some other spinny stuff that I noticed from the weekend, Corbin Burns on Friday against the Rockies still had an okay start. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. His cutter was down 258 RPM. And I noticed his first 11 starts, he had an 18% swinging strike rate. His last two starts, that is down at 10% for Corbin Burns. Tyler Malley against the Braves, six innings, four runs, seven strikeouts. Uh, spin rates were down again for him. I know. I remember last time out, we uh, we noticed that with Tyler Malley. 214 RPM on the fastball, 156 on the slider. What would you say, Chris? So I, He has the sixth largest uh, drop in spin rate from... This is part of what I wrote for the site. Um, I looked at the pitchers with the biggest change in spin rate from June 3rd and earlier since. And Bauer had the highest, 258 RPM on average. He's one of two pitchers above 200 RPM drop. Tyler Anderson's one of the others. Garrett Cole's fourth, and Tyler Malley is... Actually, he's seventh. Dylan Bundy, Walker Bueller, and Tyler Malley are, are... Five, six, and seven on that list. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Were you just looking at fastball? Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking at fastball. Because the spin, you know, Corbin Burns' primary pitch is a cutter, basically. Yeah, he actually and didn't qualify for the leaderboards that I that I pulled, so. Because it was a cutter or because the, the, the he change wasn't enough. enough? He hadn't thrown enough four-seamers. Okay, yeah. Because um, I, I think the three pitchers who have stood out the most in terms of not just the spin rates dropped, but it appears to be changing their effectiveness. The three who stand out most for me are Bauer, Cole, and and uh, Corbin Burns, actually, who's 
Mm-hmm. Walks have been up and his strikeouts have been down recently. And, you know, it's not conclusive, me saying that. And and part of the reason why it's so noticeable is because they were so, so dominant before yeah. those drops in spin rate. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm noticing a difference with those three. That's the thing that's hard about all of this is mm-hmm. we're dealing with small sample sizes from just the first two months of the season. We're dealing with small sample sizes from the 2020 season. And we're dealing with small sample sizes, whether you define it as since the memo or since the crackdown, I think, you know, they are separate things, but obviously there have been some pretty significant changes before the crackdown officially started. Yeah. Um, It's only been a week of the crackdown. Yeah. And and like, it's hard to tell, like, is Corbin Burns just having some natural regression? That wouldn't necessarily be surprising in terms of the results. Like, right. Yeah. He had like four walks in his first eight starts or something. That was he, he wasn't going to walk twelve people all season, mm-hmm. but figuring out this is the thing that makes this fantasy season even more frustrating than it had been already is just new baseball, record high amount of injuries, and now this pitcher crackdown that just injects more uncertainty. And you know, specifically with Burns, Cole, and Bauer, I think the way to view it is it's not they're going to be worse. It's there is less certainty that they are going to be great. Yes. And there were two other pitchers that I noticed from uh, Sunday. They were up against each other. Max Scherzer and Sandy Alcantara. Scherzer's fastball was down 166 RPM. His slider and curve were down right around 240. So it's pretty pretty big drop. He still had 21 swinging strikes. Yeah, it was still awesome. <laughs> he was still great, yeah. Sandy Alcantara, not as much. I mean, five and a third, six hits, five runs. Four of those were earned. Four walks, three strikeouts. So... One he of was, Sandy Alcantara's worst starts of the season. He was under the weather for okay. this one, from what I was reading. He was he was dealing with a an illness, um, and his velocity was down. So I think the the drop in raw spin rate. You know, this is where the the idea of the Bauer units comes in, which is just RPM divided by uh, fastball velocity. Mm-hmm. And it's a way. It's kind of a, like a context neutral spin rate, I guess, given the positive relationship with spin rate and velocity. All right. So Sandy Alcantara, good to know there. Uh, Hopefully he will bounce back in his next start. Before we get to news and notes, just want to remind everyone that we will have a live stream Q&A on Monday on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. We'll be live from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. Chris will be there for the first half of it. And then Scott will join us from 7.30 on. So come hang out. Come ask your questions. Fantasy, baseball, Real life, tattoos, you could ask Chris anything that you want. Same thing with Scott. He's got he's got some new couches if you want to ask. How are those couches feeling, Scott? And we'll we will find out. They're getting a lot of comments, the couches. Everybody loves the couches. Everybody loves the couches. All right, news and notes. We don't love Joe Girardi because he's a liar. We had a bunch of bullpen happenings this weekend, and Girardi came out on Friday and said, Jose Alvarado will get the next chance to be the Phillies closer. All right. Well, since then, let's give you a little bit of timeline of a bunch of things that happened. Uh, Friday, they had a doubleheader. Game one, Jose Alvarado had a save chance. He allowed the game-tying run to score. So, okay, messed up there. Game two, Hector Neris, clean ninth inning for his 11th save of the season. Awkward. On Saturday, Jose Alvarado had pitched three of four days, so they went back to Hector Neris in a one-run game. He gave up two runs, took his sixth blown uh, blown save of the season. Again, Awkward. For Sunday, Jose Alvarado used in the eighth inning in a 4-0 game. 
He gave up a run, and then Archie Bradley got his first save of the season. He also <laughs> gave up a run. Phillies, bullpens, Girardi, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> so of those six blown saves for Naris, I think five have come in June, right? At least four. That sounds a right. Horrible month. Yeah. Horrible month. So you can understand why Girardi's losing faith in Hector Naris. Uh, I don't know why he backed down from his Alvarez stance so quickly. Alvarado. Sorry, Alvarado stands yeah. so quickly. Probably, maybe it had something to do with him blowing the save in that first uh, game. I don't know that I'd be investing so much in Archie Bradley. I mean, Bray has a ERA over four, and I don't think he's been that good of a pitcher for a few years now. I think Alvarado is definitely better. If I had to, if I had to pick one Phillies reliever to roster, I think I'd give Alvarado a slight edge. To Naris, actually, because uh, if Al- if Alvarado doesn't claim it quickly, then I could see them just going back to Naris. Inertia is a powerful force, and <clears throat> like you said, if Alvarado doesn't run away with it, Naris has just kind of kept coming back to the role, right? Um, over like the last four years, really. What a mess! I picked him up in. One of our 12-team Roto Leagues, I spent $6 out of a $100 budget. Scott, I saw in your Dynasty League, you picked up Alvarado for $6. That's a $150 budget. In my main event, he went for... This is a 15-team Roto League. Uh, Jose Alvarado went for $71 out of a $1,000 budget. So, all kind of in that like 6 to 7% range if you play in a deeper league uh, and you're chasing saves. Not that Alvarado's the guy, but... I guess we'll see. Uh, Michael Fulmer was placed on the IL for the Tigers with a cervical spine strain in his neck. Jose Cisnero picked up his third save on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Gregory Soto pitched the ninth and the 10th and wound up with the win. Chris, the... Cisnero worked the 8th, for what it's worth. Cisnero worked the 8th and then Soto the ninth and 10th. Chris, who gets the next Tiger save? Jose Cisnero or Gregory Soto? (laughs) <laughs> I don't I don't have a strong opinion on it one way or the other. It's a bad team. Neither See. of those is a, an especially good pitcher. Uh, <laughs> I really want it to be Cisnero. I think he's actually good. I, I think he is good. His his numbers his numbers in 2020 were good and 2021's basically caught up to them after a rough start. So like an ERA yeah, around just, three, a whip around one. Yeah. I just think you can flip a very boring coin. <laughs> And hope you get five saves out of whichever one comes up. I, I, I think I agree with Scott that Cisnero is probably better, but I don't have a strong opinion on it. Uh, Gregory Soto has settled down a little bit. He's got a 2.25 ERA. The whip is still high at 1.28, just over a strikeout per inning. You know, it could just be whoever's coming up in the ninth inning, which leads us to yeah. the Cincinnati Reds. TJ Antone went back on the IL with that same right forearm strain over the weekend uh, that previously sidelined him. Brad Brock got the save on Thursday. We spoke about that at the time. And then Amir Garrett got the save on Saturday with Brock pitching in the eighth. (laughs) Reds, saves. I I might invest in the Orioles closer situation before I've invested (laughs) in the Reds right now. (laughs) I would I would go I would go with Alvarado or Cisnero or Soto or uh, for the Orioles I'd probably guess uh, Paul Fry yeah before I tried picking out anybody in the Reds bullpen to fill in for Lucas Sims who we don't know how long he'll be out yeah it was reported back on Thursday three to four weeks with an elbow sprain so 
Again, I, th- I think it's probably going to be matchup based. You know, if there are a lot of righties coming up, maybe they have Brad Brock available, and it's dependent on their usage earlier in the game too. But with Anton going down now, it's that bullpen's getting really limited. So we'll see what happens there uh, with the Reds. But definitely, definitely a frustrating situation. Man, setting waivers on Sunday is always like a lot to do, but especially this Sunday with trying to figure out. Bullpens. Oh my God, it was a mess. Uh, Jesse Winker <laughs> exited Saturday's game with a hip contusion, but manager David Bell confirmed Winker will be good to go for the Reds on Monday. So keep him in your lineups. Mark Canna was placed on the IL on Friday with left hip tendonitis. Tony Kemp started each game this weekend and is 17% rostered. He has second base and outfield eligibility. On an appearance on Chris Rose's rotation podcast, Tyler Glass now expressed that he was, quote, pretty optimistic about being able to come back sooner than later based on how his arm is currently feeling. Some good news for Tyler Glass now. Corey Seager no longer has a timetable for a return after lingering soreness has emerged in his right hand. And we were talking before this, Scott, and you said basically everyone who goes on a rehab assignment finds a way to get hurt again. That's that's been what's how it's happened this year. Tommy Listella, another one over the weekend, rehabilitating. What was it, a hamstring or something? Yeah, broke his thumb. Completely unrelated. Like, and, and that's like it wouldn't be so surprising if they suffered a setback with the same injury, but multiple instances of completely unrelated injury happening on the rehab assignment. Seriously, Mike Soroka suffered a complete retear of his Achilles tendon. Apparently it happened when he was just like walking around the clubhouse or something. Uh, that happened last week well, over the weekend, technically, uh, but it will require season ending surgery again for Mike Soroka. Do we know anybody who has made it back from two Achilles tears? Uh, Terrell Suggs, I believe. Mm. I want to say that's right. I know. I think Ryan Howard had one. Ryan Howard had one. Adam Wainwright had one. Those one. are the two yeah. high-profile ones in baseball that I can think of. Um, I know Steve Smith in football had one, right? It wasn't two. I don't know if he ever tore his Achilles. Steve Smith? I thought he did. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it's too many people who are two. I mean, Soroka's still very young, and he doesn't no. play a jumping sport, which probably helps, but... Mm-hmm. Man, this really sucks. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, no, Suggs tore both Achilles. Ooh. So not even a re re-rupture. They were like separate times, but Yikes. Uh, yeah. So no, I, I can't think of a professional athlete who's torn both Achilles or the same Achilles twice. That's yeah. It's really tough. I'm not gonna speculate on a timeline, but I would imagine he misses most of next season as well, if not all of it. Zach Plesak will make yep. a rehab start at AA on Tuesday. He'll likely need a few of those. Denelson Lamette was placed on the IL with right forearm inflammation. He left his start over the weekend. If you don't have an IL spot, Denelson Lamette could be dropped, right? Yeah, I would say so. All right. Uh, Hector Santiago, who is now on the Mariners, guy's been around forever, uh, was the first pitcher to be ejected because of foreign substances... On his glove, apparently both he and his manager said that it was just rosin and, and sweat that kind of formed this sticky substance, but he's the first Which, one. That is what you would say. Sure. If you were caught using something that wasn't sweat and rosin, you would say, I was using the legal thing. That's not to say he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, it is kind of interesting that like the first player to get uh, booted from a game for this was so relatively low profile given that i kind of feel like the 
the changes or lack thereof that we've seen so far have been relatively low profile. Like it really has not been a dramatic change in the way the game is played yet. Obviously we're only dealing with one turn plus through the rotation, but at at the population level, at least pitchers have not been dramatically less effective uh, in the month of June than they were before, which I find interesting. You can also read about that on cbssports.com. Go read Chris's article. Read all about it. Uh, I, there's a lot of news here, so let's just let's get it over with. Chris Sale will throw a two-inning live batting practice session on Wednesday. Eric Fetty was placed on the IL with an oblique strain. Willie Calhoun was placed on the IL with a fracture in his forearm. Eli White, Jason Martin, and Joey Gallo were in the outfield for the Rangers on Sunday. Freddie Galvis was placed on the IL with a right quad strain. Maybe we'll see Jemai Jones at some point as a result of this injury. Mike Moustakis is still dealing with pain from his injured heel, and I've seen him drop in some of my 15-team leagues. So if you need your IL spots, I think you can probably drop Mike Moustakis. Uh, Josh Naylor was diagnosed with a leg fracture after a nasty collision in the outfield on Sunday. Corey Kluber is not expected back until... July or August, Stephen Matz will return and start on Wednesday. Nico Horner began a rehab assignment Sunday at AAA. He's 38% rostered for those who have a middle infield spot in their leagues. Uh, Josh Fleming was placed on the IL over the weekend, which means it might be time to stash Luis Patino, who has delivered three straight five shutout inning performances in a row at AAA. His most recent start, he had 11 strikeouts. Any interest stashing Luis Patino? Yeah, I mean, if they're stretching him out like that, uh, he he act, he he pitched well in in short stints, short outings with the Rays earlier this year, and of course he has a top prospect pedigree. So yeah, I would say that's they they made him need they may need some innings from him as the as the summer wears on. So you would assume he's ahead of like Shane Baz and uh, yeah, Brent Honey Brent Honeywell's healthy, right? Brent Honeywell's just been yeah he's been in relief, relief. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, even at, even in the minors so I wouldn't yeah. count on him um, and I, I would think Joe Ryan would get the call before Shane Baz mm-hmm. just because yeah. Shane Baz is I think he started out at high A this year so no, double um, A double A okay yeah um, he's been amazing this season though but yeah I would I would assume Patino gets the next crack he's already been up this year he was up last year with the Padres so yeah I would assume him. Blue Jays catcher Alejandro Kirk started a rehab assignment Saturday for those in two catcher leagues. Victor Robles left Sunday's game. X-rays were negative. Jonathan Villar was placed on the IL on Friday, but will begin a rehab assignment this week. J.D. Davis will also start his rehab on Wednesday. The biggest news of the weekend. How did I wait this long to get here? Uh, John Gant has been moved to the Cardinals bullpen. <laughs> Wade LeBlanc will start on Monday. And yeah, you faked me out. You got me. We'll have to wait for the uh, for the next Gant from John Gant. That's right. Coming. We're going to have to wait quite a bit. Um, start to sit. Some of these players who are currently banged up. Max Fried will return on Wednesday against the Mets. He was dealing with a blister. Would you get Freed in your lineup? Yeah. All right. Sure. Uh, Jose yep. Abreu was diagnosed with a bruised left knee after x-rays came back negative following his exit from Sunday's game. He got hit right on the side of the leg uh, with a fastball. Starter yeah, sit. That one was kind of ugly looking. Yeah, he was rolling around there for a while yeah. in pain. I would think sim- sit. It sounds similar to the Han- Hanniger injury, and he didn't miss that much time. I think I'd lean start unless it was a shallow league where he had like a great backup first baseman. Yeah, it doesn't help that Jose Abreu has just been really bad this month too. So 
Maybe give him a couple yeah, of days that, that's to. Also part of my thought. Yeah, give him a couple of days to, to get back on track. Cattell Marte returned on Saturday and then left early again because of that hamstring injury. He was out of the lineup Sunday. He's going to go for more tests on Monday. Start or sit? Would prefer to sit if I can, but I'm not sure I can. And and I'm thinking of one league specifically where I I don't have anybody I can start over him. So yeah, it's probably going to have to be him. I would sit Marte if possible. I I suspect yeah. he's going on the IL. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was removed from Sunday's game due to lower back tight, tightness, and this is something he's dealt with off and on all season. Yeah, probably, probably, and similar to the Braves situation. Last one, Wander Franco is not hurt, but he only plays five games this week, and he is three for 22 with five strikeouts. So, great first game, Wander Franco, and, and, then, and then not so great. Yeah, I, I, I mean... Say- you know, eighteen point five percent strikeout rate, eighteen point five percent walk rate. He hasn't. There's been some Jared Kellenic comps that I've seen in the emails and comments on Facebook, and don't think that's quite fair. I feel like he's well. Well, Kellenic started out better. with a stro- low strikeout rate too. First thirteen yeah, games, yeah, but it was like point four percent, and then it blew up after that. Okay. Um. So you know, but. My assumption with Kelnick is he started pressing, and I don't know that that's going to happen with Franco. I, 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 I can't really predict the future with Franco. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I'm not, the way rookies have gone recently, like maybe he needs to go back to the minors. Maybe he doesn't. Considering the Rays are the only team with five games next week, probably try to sit him, but not everybody's carrying a backup shortstop. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to hit the most added and most dropped from the weekend here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the most added hitters will start with this group of five. Abraham Toro Hernandez, he's up to 30% rostered. Wander Franco up at 95%. I'm happy that people are adding the Wander Franco from Tampa Bay and not the one from San Francisco. Please stop doing that. Kyle Schwarber is up to 94% rostered. Adam Duvall at 55%. Jonathan Scope at 86%. Uh, We talked a lot about these players recently. I guess Abraham Toro is the one that stands out more than the others for deeper leagues. Seven games this week for the Astros. Really, really good matchups. Uh, anything to add on these five? I mean, Abraham Toro's best trait is that he puts the bat on the ball and he just struck out three times Sunday and struck out six times over the weekend. So, I don't know. Astros have really good matchups this upcoming week, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm thrilled to start Abraham Toro. The biggest thing I struggle with with him is like the minor league numbers are pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, But he just like hasn't shown any pop in the majors, really. Seven home runs in 72 games. Exit velocities are all mediocre to bad. And so it's a question of whether he can figure that out Um, because the play discipline is good. I just haven't seen it yet. This next group of five most added hitters from the weekend, Steven Duggar for the Giants. He's up to 24%. He's still batting 326 with six homers and six steals, albeit with a very high strikeout rate. CJ Crone up to 53%. Akil Badu, 35%. Miles Straw 
up to 31%. And Straw went two for four with a walk and his 11 stolen base on Sundays. 31% rostered, which I just mentioned. Uh, Jonathan India is up to 68%. Come on! Get, get that up. Get Jonathan India up for this group. CJ Crone, look, the Rockies play seven games. He's Scott's number one sleeper among his sleeper hitters. So we've talked a lot about CJ Crone, but even in shallower leagues, I would say go out there and get him. Uh, Straw, I've mentioned a lot recently. Steven Duggar is one that like we just <laughs> kind of keep mentioning in, in passing, but he keeps playing well. Well, the thing is, like, I kept waiting for his numbers to catch up to his strikeout rate, which you've pointed out is awful. But what's actually happened is the strikeout rates caught up to his numbers. He struck out just three times in his... Well, it, heading into Sunday, he had struck out three times in his past 12 games. Three times in his past 39 plate appearances. <laughs> plate appearances, which I don't know how, why his season-long strikeout rate is so high considering, because that is a ton of contact being made. I mean, it, it's not like he's he's turned into Abraham Toro in terms of putting the bat on the ball, but if, if he's not going to strike out 30% of the time, suddenly my mind is open to maybe him being a relevant fantasy contributor. I don't know who the Giants hitting coach is, but like that dude deserves a raise because it seems like everybody that they've gotten or everybody who's come up for them has just like transformed into a much better hitter than they really had any right to be. Yeah. Well, that's kind of true of the pitchers, too. Yeah. They're, they're the best team in baseball right now, I think. The Giants, they have the first best team to 50 wins. Well, yeah. that is, it's, it really kind of coincides with when Farhan Zaidi took over the team, right? Because that must mm-hmm. have happened, yep. I yeah. guess, two years ago. And, yeah, I mean, they've been pretty competitive since. So, shout yeah, out to they, the Giants. Uh, I, think they, I think they have the best record, like the 30th best record for any team since the Giants like in the time frame since the Giants moved to San Francisco, this is the 30th best record that a team has had at this point in the season, which wow. is like 60 years now, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, it's kind of wild. That's that's crazy. Some of the most dropped hitters from the weekend, Patrick Wisdom, Carson Kelly, Yermeen Mercedes, Miguel Andujar, and Paven Smith. Uh, those three at the bottom there. Yermeen Mercedes, I currently have... Bids to drop him in a 15 team league. So I, I'm. How about in a league where he's catcher eligible? Would you still hold Mercedes there? He's been so awful. Probably not a 12 teamer, even even with the catcher eligibility. I contributed to dropping Wisdom Mercedes and and Paven Smith this weekend, and would have liked to on Andahar too. Just it was a 15 teamer, and there was nothing out there, so I had to hold on to Andujar. Yeah, he Andujar after playing a ton of games in a row, he's now. Uh, he played over the weekend, but he has set three of the last nine games for the Yankees. So some of the other most dropped hitters, Eric Haas, Jake Fraley, Anthony Santander, Jonathan VR, Mike Moustakis. Santander is batting a cool 233 with a 642 OPS this year after having a breakout 2020. Uh, Chris, you're right, dropping Santander across the board. Yeah, I mean, five team or a 12 team, five outfielder leagues, it, you know, I think it's borderline and whether you should drop him, I think it's fine to hang on to him, but anything shallower than that is fine. The most added pitchers from this weekend, Chris Flexen, Jake Odorizzi, Ross Stripling, Patrick Sandoval, who had another 15 swinging strikes this weekend. Uh, strikeouts have been up for him. He faces the Orioles this week. Uh, and then Joe Ross, who also has two starts. Flexen, Odorizzi, Stripling, Sandoval, Joe Ross, most added pitchers. Yeah, so 
four of the five of these are on my 10 sleeper pitchers for this upcoming week. The one who isn't is actually Sandoval. Uh, but you mentioned he had the another big swinging strike performance over the weekend. And, and the majority of them, trying to find the exact number, but the majority of them came on his slider, which was interesting because we knew he had a good changeup. So yeah, nine of the 15 came on the slider. And this was after nine strikeouts last time out. Really, all of his starts have been decent so far. The, yeah. the biggest problem is he he's on a team that uses a six-man rotation. Yep. So you, you never get that two-start week. <laughs> you might be tempted to activate him. And for Sandoval, you know, I mentioned he's going up against the Orioles this week. The Orioles are actually great against left-handed pitching, so just keep that in mind. They're fourth in weighted on base average against Southpaws this season. The next group of most added starting pitchers, Caleb Smith, Wade Miley, Finally up to 84%. That number should be close to 100. James Caprillion up to 82%. Jamison Tyone, he's got two starts this week. Danny Duffy up to 82%. And this is an interesting one because he pitched in relief on Friday for one inning. And then the Royals came out afterwards and said that Danny Duffy is set to fill multiple roles for the Royals moving forward. So not sure exactly what that means, but he's been really good this year. Danny Duffy has. I'm not sure what that means either. Hope they, uh, <laughs> they didn't learn their lesson with Jake Junis, Jacob Junis, because that didn't go so well when they started jerking him around. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think he's still lined up to start Monday's game. Duffy is right. I believe he is. So that in theory he's lined up for two starts. I doubt. I don't know that he's going to go that deep into either. Yeah, as yeah, I, I think that. Those comments make you feel a little worse about the prospect of starting him. I, I don't think I would. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the start on Monday, it's against the Red Sox, too. So that does not help things either. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Royals, I have a few names here that I want to throw on the dropometer and see where we're at. Mike Miner is one of those. He got destroyed this weekend. He allowed nine earned runs, 11 hits. He's got a 6.03 ERA over his last five starts. The dropometer on Mike Miner. Nine. Yeah. I going to say six. All right. So we'll go with seven and a half. How about Domingo Herman, who at the Red Sox on Friday, four innings, five hits, four runs, three of those were earned. He has a 10.22 ERA over his last three starts. And I, I knew regression was due for him at some point because like he had this stretch where he was facing a lot of really good matchups in a row. Uh, but I, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. But yeah, last three for Domingo Herman, ERA over 10. drop meter Nine. Six. <laughs> All right. I, don't I knew really, that was going to happen. I don't really get the appeal of Domingo Armand at this point. Like, he had one season with a 403 ERA and won 18 games. And, like, cool, he won 18 games. Yankees aren't that good right now. So, chasing wins with Domingo Armand isn't that valuable. His yeah, fit, I, I'm just looking at how good his numbers were three starts ago, and I'm trying to not overreact to three starts. Yeah, that's, I just that's his, basically it. His FIP is four five three. His FIP in twenty nineteen was four seven two. I just I don't think he's good. Yeah, I, I kind of see um, both sides because there's some stuff in the underlying numbers, like twelve point seven percent swinging strike rate. That's pretty good. A thirty seven percent chase rate. That's also pretty good. He doesn't really doesn't walk, walk many guys. He doesn't walk many guys. Yeah, so like there is some stuff, but yeah, I mean ultimately. At some point, you kind of are what your numbers say you are, right? So, like, most of his bad starts have been home run afflicted, which, you know, 
give up a lot of home runs, you're going to have problems. But when you don't, he's usually pretty good. So I don't know. I, I don't think yeah. there's enough to for me to conclude one way or another whether Domingo Herman is good. So I think he's just a guy. If even if so, I'm I'm giving him a six. I'm I'm saying you're free to drop him if you can find something better. I just know in a lot of leagues I can't. And you know who is better than him? Shane McClanahan. <laughs> I don't know what more we have to do. Not that he had a great start over the weekend, but a quality start. Six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts, ten swinging strikes on 87 pitches. He has a 3.18 ERA over his last three starts, and he's averaging over 87 pitches per game during that span. He's 66 percent rostered. This is a lot like Jonathan India, where both of the roster rates for India and Shane McClanahan just need to be higher. And I guess we'll just keep bringing them up until that happens because yep. I would be okay. Basically. I would drop Herman. I would drop Minor from McClanahan. I have no problem. Sure. Yeah, the, sure. the issue is just the overall numbers don't look that great. I think that's the thing that's holding him back. Like the 409 ERA, you know, a lot of strikeouts, but only 50 innings. I, I can see why his rate isn't higher, but it should be. Yeah, I think people need to realize that you know since Glassdown has gone down, they've kind of taken off the kids' gloves from McClanahan, and they're letting him go out there. He gets a ton of whiffs. I like him a lot, but <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that. I tell you all the time. Uh, a few other waiver wire starting pitchers. Part one that I wanted to mention: David Peterson over the weekend, six innings, one run, five strikeouts. He's twenty nine percent rostered. John Gray returned at the Brewers, five shutout with ten strikeouts, seventeen swinging strikes on eighty three pitches. He's 44% rostered at home against the Pirates this week. Drew Smiley, six innings, one run, only three strikeouts. He's got a 1.62 ERA over his last three starts. Johnny Cueto up against the A's, seven shutout, six strikeouts. He's 53% rostered. Last name on this list, Merrill Kelly, who was at the Padres, six shutout. He has back-to-back quality starts. He's 26% rostered. Peterson, John Gray, Smiley, Cueto, Merrill Kelly. Interested in any of these guys? Gray, probably the most, but still not that much. Kelly's been kind of good for like two months now. He's been inconsistent. Uh, he has starts where he gets blown up, and, and then yeah. out of nowhere, at the Padres, he gives you a quality start. Yeah, but since April 27th, so almost exactly two months, he's got a 3.84 ERA with 69 strikeouts and 70 in a third innings. That's... Pretty good. He's averaging over six innings per start, right, right around six innings per start. I think that's just under. He might be um, Domingo Herman. He might be, <laughs> in a good way. Yes, uh, it or would be a bad, bad way would, for Domingo Herman, or a bad way for. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if if your choice is dropping Domingo Herman for one of these guys, I I think I'd do it for Gray. I I probably won it, and you know, because I think the bad outcome for for Herman is something like Merrill Kelly. All right, waiver wire starting pitchers part two, and shame on me. Took way too long to get to Zach Thompson. Admittedly, here. I know that I I wanted him to be my oh my goodness gracious because Zach Thompson there's of just, the Marlins. There's so much to get to from the weekends, but we're here. We're here now. We're talking about Zach Thompson who had uh, we, six innings, two runs with eleven strikeouts. Hey, look, that's why I get to listen to the podcast all the way through. So if you're still here, I appreciate it. Uh, six innings, two runs, eleven strikeouts, sixteen swinging strikes. This weekend for Zach Thompson, who's on the Marlins, if you didn't know. He's 18% rostered. Kyle Muller, who was at the Reds on Sunday, five shutout with nine strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes in that start. And then a few other names here. Eric Lauer, six shutout. Okay. Max Kranick, kind of interesting. He was at the uh, Cardinals, five perfect innings with three strikeouts. He is a prospect-ish for the Pirates. 
And then uh, Jordan Lyles up against the Mariners. Seven innings, one run, four strikeouts. All right, so there's really two people I want to talk about here. Okay. Zach Thompson and Kyle Muller. But Thompson especially, because these 11 strikeouts in six innings. Like, I've been very dismissive of Thompson so far. He's 27 years old. You look at his minor league numbers. It was almost, at least in recent years, almost entirely a reliever. At AAA this year, he had an ERA over six, I believe it was. Yeah, 660 and eight relief appearances at AAA. This year, 2019, 523 ERA, 143 whip, 10K per nine. But still, like these are these are obviously not good numbers from a guy who was in the minors into his late 20s. Not a prospect, right? He looks so good. He looks not only in this start, his previous start, four one-hit innings with seven strikeouts. So the strikeout was way high again and only one hit allowed. The breakdown of the pitches, cutter, four-seamer, curveball, he has a changeup too. Uh, the four-seamer, high spin rate on that, so it's good at swinging misses. And I just watched the highlights of this start against the Nationals over the weekend and the number of uncomfortable swings that were being taken on his pitches. Like They did not have a good read on him at all. They were, they were not taking confident swings at him. Um, while he was he's piling up tall. his whips. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the things is that he is, you know, six foot seven has kind of that, at, an overhand delivery. Um, a lot of drop on that curveball. Like I said, high spin on the fastball. The cutter, I think, is really deceptive so playing it off the might, fastball, too. That cutter might be the key because I'm looking at like scouting reports. This was like, He's in the Marlins system. He was a minor league free agent that they signed. Apparently, he was like a high priority for them in the minor league free agent market, but he was not someone I'd ever heard of before he got the call. And I'm looking at a scouting report from January of 2020 when he was with the White Sox, and it's mentioning no cutter. It was two fastballs, curveball, and like a show me change. So yeah. the cutter does appear to be a new pitch for him. And well, I, yeah. I wonder if since he was used in relief, he didn't get a chance to unveil like his full arsenal. Like one of those guys, you don't often see the reliever get better when moved to the starting role, but usually yeah. it's because they're they're able to use more of their pitches. And I was reading about prior to his call up, even though he was being used as a reliever at AAA, like the Marlins identified him as somebody who could start if they mm-hmm. needed an extra starter, and. I don't know. I don't know if there's an organization that has a better read on pitching right now than the Marlins because they keep unearthing these guys. Yeah. I, I think I think he might be legitimate. It's one. It would be one of the unlikeliest breakouts I've ever seen. But but Zach Thompson might be legit. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect. That's as true. The man said. That is what is said. Uh, for Thompson, would you put him ahead of all those pitchers we mentioned in the first group? Peterson, yep. Gray, Smiley, Cueto, Kelly. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's anything close to a guarantee that he's better, but we know right. like the other guys are known quantities for the most part. You know, he could be anything. He could even be Merrill Kelly. <laughs> a lot of Merrill Kelly references on this podcast today. <laughs> uh, would you guys drop Mike Miner or Domingo Herman for Zach Thompson? I would drop Miner. I might drop Herman. Shallower league, I'd drop Herman. Take a shot on the upside. Anything you guys wanted to add on Kyle Muller, who looked really good on Sunday? Four seam slider curve. He averaged 94 miles per hour on his fastball. Nine strikeouts yep. against the Reds. 
Yeah, so four of his 16 whiffs came on the fastball, six on the slider, five on the curveball. Very impressive to see that kind of distribution for a rookie, somebody who's hardly pitched in the majors at all. Uh, he only allowed one hit in four innings in his previous start. Too many walks in the minors, so they that could rear its ugly head at some point, but the stuff certainly looks good. A lot of spin on the fastball. Kyle Muller. I, I like Thompson more, I think, but Kyle Muller's interesting too. All right, I'm just going to bounce around from here on out for the next five minutes to try and get to as many things that happened this weekend as possible. Keston Hira had four four hits this weekend, including two home runs. He did have five strikeouts during that three-game stretch. He's 37% rostered. Scott, I know you really like the Brewers' matchups this upcoming week, but Chris, Keston Hira making some noise here. Would you be looking to add him in deeper leagues, shallower leagues, anywhere? What do you think? Sure. Yeah, I added him in Tout Wars. Um, and what is that? I it's a 12-team Roto league? 12-team 12 12 team Roto, yeah. Okay. Um, it's an OBP league, so it's not necessarily... I mean, I guess there's not much of a difference between OBP and average for him at this point. They're both bad. But yeah, I put I picked him up just to like see if there's a spark. You know, Maybe he's the kind of pitch hitter who... You know, he's specifically struggled with high fastballs. That's been a real problem for him. He hasn't been able to hit fastballs at all this season, but especially the high ones. You know, if there's a little less spin on the baseball, maybe the the pitches appear to rise a little bit less. Maybe I think his home run today was off a a high fastball. I think I saw somebody tweet that out. Maybe that's the kind of thing where small things can make a big impact for for individual players, even if we don't see a huge change on the population level. Scott, what do you think we can get for Casey Mize right now in a trade? If we were looking to shop him in a redraft league, he was great this weekend against the Astros. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts. He has a 3.46 ERA, but 10% swinging strike rate, 4.23 XFIP, and expected ERA over five. We know that the innings are going to be a concern at some point for Casey Mize. What do you think you can get for him in a trade? Like a 12-team or less, my assumption is not that much Mm -hmm. because a low strikeout guy with an ERA on the wrong side of 350, I just just don't think that has a lot of trade value, but he's he's been so consistent, three earned runs or fewer in every start since April, that maybe you could get like a number two outfielder for him. Uh, It doesn't hurt to check. I do think he's more likely to get worse than better from here. So it doesn't hurt to check. Oh, right. Yeah, his velocity has been dropping as the season's gone on, and it's basically back where it was last season now. So that's not a great sign either. Well, doesn't hurt to try. Try and shop Casey Mize, see what you can get. Oh, yes. Get what you can. Do it. Is what I would say. Uh, we had a bunch of studly pitching performances this weekend, but I'll just throw out a few, and if there's anything you guys would like to add. Kyle Gibson against the Royals, seven shutout with 10 strikeouts. Julio Arias, five and a third, two runs, 12 strikeouts against the Cubs. Cole Irvin had eight shutout on Sunday against the Giants with eight strikeouts. Clayton Kershaw against the Cubs. Sunday Night Baseball, eight innings, one run, 13 strikeouts, 26 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. 22 of those swinging strikes came on his slider. Kershaw, his Irvin... start of the season with 20-plus swinging strikes on the slider. That's damn. amazing. That's wild. Kershaw, Irvin, Arias, Gibson. Anything you guys would like to add? I just I think it's amazing we're halfway through the season now basically and Kyle Gibson has a two ERA that is his ERA two. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean XFIP three eighty nine that's not so good. XERA three twenty six that is good. 
Strikeouts aren't really there. And he's Kyle Gibson, 33-year-old, who's never been a fa- fantasy asset, really. So I I still am skeptical that he anybody's excited to trade for Kyle Gibson unless you're playing with a bunch of novices. But if if someone is, if you can if you can deal Kyle Gibson like he's a number two for fantasy teams, then I think uh, I think that's a good sell high situation. Otherwise, just ride it out. It's, it's really two. interesting that he's added this cutter this season. It's been his worst pitch, and he's <laughs> pitching so well. Yeah, it's funny. actually been a pretty good swing and miss pitch, but it's getting crushed when guys do make contact with it. It's, yeah, pitching's weird. I think it's helped everything else play up. I yeah. guess if that makes sense, but. Yeah, that does yeah. seem to be, yeah. Yeah. Um, starter sit real quick for this week. Tony Gonsolin coming off his, I guess, best start of the season. It's It was still... It was good. It was all right. Short. 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 He's still building up, yeah. but it was good. Four seven innings. strikeouts and four. Yeah, four innings, one run, seven strikeouts. He is up against the Nationals this week. Starter sit, Tony Gonsolin. I'd, I'd lean towards sitting, but you could do yeah. worse. Yeah, start him in a 15-team or sit in anything shallower, I think. I would also sit Adam Wainwright, though I wanted to highlight the guy has been awesome. He's delivered five straight quality starts. He's got a 2.45 ERA during that span, but he is at the Rockies this week. So he's also been great at home. 2.55 ERA in 10 home starts in ERA over six on the road. Please sit Adam Wainwright this weekend. Uh, just a few hitting leftovers. Shohei Otani. Went three for four on Sunday with a double, a trick, a triple, a sock, and a shoe. 25th home run, 11th steal of the season. The guy is just ridiculous. Ronald Acuna went two for four with his 21st home run of the year. Uh, DJ LeMahieu has a 10-game hitting streak and is batting 297 in June. So he's coming around. Rafael Devers, we mentioned earlier, hit an absolute moon rocket off Garrett Cole, 451 feet. That was his 19th homer of the season. He's up to 64 RBI. Trevor Story had a sock and a shoe on Saturday. He's now up to nine homers and 14 steals. Christian Yelich has been better-ish his last 15 games, 286 batting average. Two homers, one steal, and Joey Gallo. That's the wrong one, man. I like the wrong... <laughs> Breaking out fantasy <laughs> regulators. Fantasy justice. Oh, just <laughs> Joey Gallo. He's coming around. He's got three homers over his last two games. He now has 16 home runs with a 994 OPS. Not all 16 of his home runs have come in June, but he has a 994 OPS in June. So he has been uh, much better. We're going to wrap up with some streamers from the weekend. And we'll start with, well, actually for the next coming days. Monday to stream or not stream. Dylan Bundy at the Yankees. Garrett Richards versus the Royals. Matt Manning at Cleveland. Eli Morgan versus the Tigers, Spencer Howard at the Reds, and Tyler Anderson revenge game at the Colorado Rockies. Uh, it's very bad. Uh, don't make me pick any of these, Frank. All right, Scott, just give me one. Uh, man, Garrett uh, Richards. <laughs> I think it might be Bundy for me, which I don't don't love. Yeah, I mean, he might be the one pitcher that can actually get the Yankees lineup back on track. So I don't know if I. Oh man, he's been so bad. Um, I, I think I would go with Matt Manning at Cleveland, but yeah, it's not great. Tuesday to stream or not to stream. Jamison Tyone versus the Angels. Andrew Heaney at the Yankees. Caleb Smith at the Cardinals. Zach Davies at the Brewers. Tony Santian versus the Padres and Chris Flexen at the Blue Jays. A little bit better. Yeah, I could see doing Heaney. I could see doing mm-hmm. Caleb Smith. Mm-hmm. I could see doing Davies. Probably not. Mm. Look, I'm not thrilled about any of them, yeah. to be clear. 
but I could see doing them. Tyone. By the way, just to go go back to the previous one, Garrett Richards has actually had the biggest drop in uh, spin rate. He's yeah. just only made two starts, mm-hmm. uh, but his spin rate is down over 300 RPM over his last two starts. Cheater. It's been wild. I, Not great. I don't hate Jameson Tyone on Tuesday. Coming off his best start of the year, and he's got a 3.29 ERA at home this season. So I'll throw Otani's going to clock him. He might, man. I really want to go to one of these games this week, but I don't know oh, that man, I'm going to have time. <sighs> Chris, yeah. Man. I was going to say like Thursday at one o'clock, we might be able to make it happen, but. Oh, man. No, I have a flight at seven. I don't know if I can make that uh, one. Uh, I want to see Otani play. All right, I'll see, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. <laughs>